It's so good to be able to be here today as you and I have come to worship the God of heaven. Our interest is to worship Him in spirit and in truth, following the commandment and the express statement of John 4, 24. And today, it would perhaps be very appropriate to say what a great debt of appreciation my family and I feel toward those of you especially who made that journey to Spencer this past week and encouraged us there, were a part of that gospel meeting effort. Those brethren appreciated it so very much, and surely my family and I did as well. We just want you to know that we appreciate not only your prayers and your encouragement, but all those things that you do to ongoingly support the constant work of the gospel. We appreciate that so very much. Already heard so uh, those great thoughts about the lesson shared last Lord's Day. We're appreciative always for those faithful preachers who share with us those unsearchable riches of the truth of God. You may have already noticed on the slide though today, as the lesson text was read a moment ago, we're going to turn our attention to hoary heads. We're going to turn our attention to, to those who have advanced to a stage in life to where that description will be appropriate. I'd like to begin with some of these introductory thoughts, if I might. We all know that, of course, as we're born into this world, we rather rapidly, it seems, proceed through these stages of life. Those who are young, they're filled with eagerness and energy. It seems as though the horizon is a limitless thing. All kinds of accomplishments and achievements. But we all know that as you continue to grow, you reach adulthood. And as you do, you appreciate the obligations and responsibilities that then are yours, not only individually, but perhaps even in regard to a family. But we all know, of course, that with the blessing of God, eventually will come old age. That time of life when perhaps one would be described as elderly. That time of life when maybe one would feel some silver or gray in the hair. And you've reached a time in life when things are different. The Bible has a great deal to say, you know, about those individuals. I'd like to begin maybe by saying this. We live in a society that tends to devalue old age. It tends to, quite frankly, disrespect it in some ways. Often there are those who almost feel like those individuals are really not that significant. They're not that important. They can't do a lot anymore, or at least what they once could. And therefore, they're often given a different appreciation. Our interest, though, is to ask, what does the Bible say about those individuals in that category? What does the Word of God have to say that those perhaps who are younger, what should be their reaction and their approach to those in that stage of life? And so it is, as you come to the bottom of that slide, we're going to look for passages or at least give some discussion to those who are hoary heads. Now, as Brother John read that text in Proverbs 16:31 a moment ago, that'll be our primary lesson text. Let's build up to it with some of the following observations. Now, I realize I speak before a congregation, many of whom are younger. There are those in the middle stages of life, and there are some who already are blessed with a hoary head. Today, this lesson will primarily be a matter of encouragement to those who are in that latter category. I'd like to begin like this. The last era in life can often bring some moments of confusion, some moments of perplexion, some moments of uncertainty for the following reasons. You'll immediately notice things are different about the human body. 
I know as we've discussed with our grandparents and maybe listened to the things they say, even if we haven't experienced it ourselves, we already can tell some things. The physical strength is not there like it once was. The stamina is not there as it once was. Maybe work for a protracted time is still possible, but you just can't do what you once could. And that could be frustrating. In addition to that, may I say that sometimes the mental faculties are not quite the same. Maybe memory is not quite as strong as you'd wish it was. Maybe the hearing or the eyesight or other capabilities. I say all of that to say this. Those appear to be facts of what age brings on the human body. Does it change, though, what God's book says should be our approach to those in that stage of life? You'll notice about the middle of that slide. And I would like you to read as, or listen at least as I read a section of Psalm 92. It's a very prolific section in the following sense. It sets before you and me some thoughts about old age. Let's go ahead and notice what it is. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 12 of Psalm 92, but by the time we get to verse 14, you'll notice a phrase that will occur, and it'll be a very, very moving one. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now already the reference has been those that are faithful. Those who, in fact, have given their life and diligence to the cause of Christ, they're going to be like a palm tree. They will be as fortified and as strong as those cedars of Lebanon. Now verse 14. They shall bring forth fruit still in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Now, would you please note with me, in old age, these individuals, it says, will still bring forth fruit. Now, you might take note that that verse number 15, or rather verses 14 and 15, it refers to these individuals, even in old age, as fat and flourishing. The word fat has nothing to do with the, the amount of weight on their structure. It has to do, in fact, with the capability of youthfulness, at least within their thinking in the sense that they will still be very productive. Older person, if you're a child of God, even in old age, you are here asserted you can be productive for the cause of the Master. There's no reason to give up, to feel hopeless, to feel a sense of desperation. God will just use you in a different way when you arrive at that point in life. Your emphasis won't be what it was 40 years younger. Your, your emphasis here will still be that of a flourishing individual. Today we're going to develop that a little bit and ask, in what ways is a person like that flourishing? In what way can they still bring forth fruit? And in what way might you and I as younger appreciate that which they have to offer? And so it is, as you come near the bottom of that slide, the Word of God speaks in a very respectful way about those who are an in the older ages of life. Let's revisit Leviticus 19 for just a moment. Now this certainly was in, of course, the days when Moses was giving those direct statements to the children of Israel. But in Leviticus 19.32, the statement is there made again about those who had a hoary head. And would you listen to the directness of what was asserted? 
Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. I suppose it was still a possibility even in the ancient era when maybe the younger people in Israel wouldn't really think a lot of those old men in, 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 in the days of Israel. Maybe they'd want to send them off to the outskirts of the camp and just stay out of our way. And God through Moses said, You make sure that you respect that hoary head and you honor him for the characteristics that he is able to bequeath. Now, as you think about the way the youth in that ancient society behaved itself, again, it was a patriarchal kind of society. Now, we've come a long way in some ways since, and it hadn't always been good. You probably know that there have been for a few decades at least some in our society who wish to euthanize those who are old so that we don't have to keep them up. What a wicked thought. What a kind of thinking to get rid of those who are our older ones. God will have no support for something like that. In Leviticus 19.32, honor that old age. Why don't we add to that the following in Proverbs 20, verse number 29. Later in the Old Testament, there is again a statement reminding us of that hoary head and the characteristic respectfulness which it deserves. Today, as you and I give thought to old age and what it has to offer, we're going to close this slide. And in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, note this. Every one of us in the heart of the New Testament are told that rebuke not an elder, but rather entreat him like a father. Now there, the word elder is referring to an old man. He ain't talking about that office of the church yet. That'll come later in the chapter. And so old men who are Christians, old men who are wise and who have withstood the years of challenge, tribulation, and difficulty in the faith, honor that man. You entreat him like a father. You appreciate wisdom and advice and insight that he has to offer. Now that commandment was given again to Timothy in Ephesus almost 20 centuries ago. And yet, how needful it still can be for you and I today to think about the hoary head. As you and I close that slide, let's develop then that Proverbs 16.31 and look one more time at the way in which the inspired writer stated it. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31 says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. To develop that is going to lead us to appreciate some wonderful things and in so doing, I hope we'll each be motivated and compelled to live so that our older years, whenever they may come our way, and whatever may be the details of our body then, we will nonetheless be able to feel the blessing of a verse like this one. The hoary head is a crown of glory. The language at the top leads us again to think that phrase, hoary head, in the King James translation, it has reference to gray hair, old age. It has to do with, again, that stage in life, this individual who is not a youth any longer. He or she has reached a point in life when it can be rightfully appreciated that that gray hair is there due to those years of life upon this earth. What's more, you'll notice this. The hoary head is something. 
Now, the grammar is very clear. The hoary head is this. It's not that it might be, can be, should be, may be. It says it is. And the language is very interesting. It says a crown of glory. Each of us perhaps have known many people in the older stage of life. Maybe you can think about your own family, grandparents, perhaps even simply parents, or maybe even great-grandparents, uncles, aunts, or others. Maybe it's merely a neighbor who has been a very constant and powerful influencing guide in many ways of life for you. The fact still remains. The hoary head is a crown of glory. Now that phrase, crown of glory, means literally a state of honor. It literally conveys the thought of a reward for victory and service. Now let's add to that the following. Because notice the verse does not conclude at that point. It goes on to say this. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Amazing, isn't it, that there's a condition here. That little word, if. Haven't you been moved so many times in life by the little word, if? Although it's but two letters, it nonetheless expresses the reality of a condition. That is to say, a reality, a reward, an eventuality is predicated upon the correctness of and the truthfulness of this condition. Old age, you see, can truly be a crown of life. It can be a time of excitement, a time of renewed energy and zeal in light of other pursuits in life. It could be a time of great productivity in certain ways. But the verse before us highlights this truth. It is a matter of honor. It is a matter, shall we say, of reward for service and victory if it is found in the way of righteousness. To develop that leads us to note this. By its very nature and by itself, old age isn't necessarily a crown of glory. There are those who've reached old age and they've done so acting rather foolishly, acting rather unwisely, following wrong pathways in life, and nonetheless God has still blessed them with life. But the kind of life they're currently living really isn't a crown of glory. But contrast that with this. What about that individual who has in fact trudged through the realities of a faithful life, understood all the victories and the blessings and rewards that God offered, but also endured the trials and challenges of a faith and emerged faithful to the Lord in every sense? Old age for that person, those gray hairs and that hoary head, is a crown of glory. It's a statement of service and reward. It's a high state of honor. To say all of that is to say, the way of righteousness perhaps you and I should consider clearly. That way of righteousness leads us to this next slide. Because by righteousness you and I know well what the Bible writer means. If it be found in the way of righteousness... Isn't it true the psalmist in Psalm 119 verses 138 and 172 both highlight that righteousness is the Word of God. The truth of God is righteousness. You and I are admonished that we shall sing of His righteousness, which is of course of His Word. True indeed, isn't it then, that 
that life in old age, that's a manifestation of the Word of God. Oh, how that hoary head is a life befitting of respect, a life befitting of the crown of glory which those gray hairs are. When you and I think then about old age, maybe as we've started to contemplate it, some of us, those years aren't as far away as they once were. May we take to heart a passage like this one and realize that those years can still be blessed years in service to God. But may we always consider the faithfulness that must be a part of that life. This slide leads us to note this. As you think about some of what those gray hairs represent, some of what those aspects of life have come to bear, old age is a state of honor a state of respect if that life is a manifestation of God's righteousness. Look again at what the Bible uses as, as, as examples of some of these things. Trying times. Aren't you and I all told things like this? Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's stop there. How old was Noah when God told him to build an ark? 500 years old. Was he old? I think we'd each say by virtue of our reckoning and our chronology today, he was a very aged man. And yet, Genesis 6.22 says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Here was a man, though aged. Nonetheless, what a crown of glory. We don't know if he was gray-headed, but he still had the strength and stamina to build an ark, to oversee its construction, and to carry out the very work of God thoroughly, completely, and exactly. Older person... Continue to appreciate the Word of God as you read it, as you live a life based upon it, as you exemplify in your life so that those who are younger can see in you how one approaches something that's trying. I think there's something all of us know very well. Death is that cloud out there on the horizon. We know we're all marching toward it. For as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. As an older person can approach death with a sense of calmness, a sense of fear, a sense of absolute faith and confidence in the things of God, those of us that are younger will never forget that. And it will give us an opportunity to see how one in faith can approach the time of one's great reward and to leave this life in confidence May I say to you, older person, there's much you can still do for God. There's so much you still can bring about by virtue of a true example. Let's look at perhaps another one. That older person can also be an exemplification of days gone by when how one can approach even good times. Our world sometimes is misled in enjoying good times. You err into the pathways of sin when times are good. An older person will lead a life that in dedication identifies there are things that one must recognize are not a part of goodness. You exemplify self-control. 
Have you ever listened to your grandfather or maybe another aged person talk about what it was like back in the days of World War II? Or what it was like perhaps back in the days of the Great Depression? I know we've come enough decades now since then. The number who can literally tell us because they lived through it are getting fewer and fewer. But when you listen to them talk about what was involved in those days, what was involved in the reality of that time, how one emerged through that, and often you recognize the unison in terms of fighting for a common cause, how a nation came together, how a family came together. An older person can speak in a very realistic way because they were there. Why don't you and I add to that this? Therefore, they've experienced a great deal. There's insight and wisdom and prudence. One of the things the Bible frequently mentions is the word wisdom. We all know that well. In fact, it's a key word in the book of Proverbs. Over and over again, we're admonished to be people of wisdom. And yet, if you ask about wisdom, one of the things you can say about it is this. Wisdom is that manifestation whereby... One is able to see how something's going to turn out. Well, who better can do that than an older person? I saw how that turned out in the life of my neighbor 35 years ago, and it wasn't good. Don't make that same mistake. Or that older person can say, confessedly, I actually tried that, and I'm telling you, it didn't work well. Here's what happened to me. You see, an older person can do that. They have those years of wisdom and insight. They have that direct experience. It's not just read out of a book. They've lived it. Older person, we admire those years of experience that you have, and we appreciate your faithfulness, and we look to you as an ongoing, continuing example of that. One more thing on that particular page. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, they're able to share that perspective. I emphasized it earlier, but now it's time to do it from a slightly different angle. Entreat the elder as a father. That word entreat means to, to ask of, to converse with, to speak to. We who are younger, perhaps sometimes we fail. We don't seek your counsel as we ought we think we already know the answer, or at least we fail to come to you and ask what your years of insight might lead you to offer. That text says we ought to perhaps be a little bit quicker to ask of you sometimes in light of a question because you've been there, you've seen it, you've done it. But at any rate, might we notice, we do appreciate very much that wisdom that you have to offer us. In fact, this next slide is going to be an attempt to develop some of that more clearly. On so many occasions, the Word of God speaks about those that are of older age or those that are elderly. And as the Bible speaks of them, it does so in the most respectful terms and tones. In fact, in the Old Testament, you and I remember that there was a high regard for the elders of the tribes. Those 12 tribes of Israel, remember, there were some men who were installed as positions in leadership and they often were the elders, meaning they were the older men. One more time, notice, they were entrusted with the opportunity to lead the remainder of that tribe. 
Doesn't that say something then about the placement that those men had in regard to the serving God? Look at the next one. As you and I come to the New Testament, think about the church of our present day. God has blessed us, has He not? A community of believers, the family of God, it consists of some who are younger all the way up to those that are older. May I ask you to consider the following. Aged men are given some direct commandments in the New Testament. Now, older gentlemen, listen to me. Or maybe I should say, listen to what God has to say. God loved you enough and respected you enough. He gave some commandments directly to you. Let's look at what they are. You'll notice in Titus 2, verse number 2, the older men are specifically given these admonitions. We might even call them commandments. Titus chapter 2, verse number 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. So older men, you've got some marching orders. You are expressly told by God. And remember, Titus was told by Paul, you preach this. This is the message of truth. Older men, be sober. That first means no alcohol whatsoever. That word in the original language meant to abstain from wine. But not only that, grave. There should be an element of seriousness. You know when to be serious and you know when to, when to be a jokester. No, God appreciates a sense of humor, but He understands there are times to be serious. There are times your demeanor, there are times your behavior should be recognized as important and serious. This is not the time to kid around. The matter at hand is too important. Nextly, temperate. Older men, self-control. There are certain things in life are just off limits for a person wanting to serve God. I can't do that, though society says I can. Your self-control is a fantastic example. Those that are younger will realize if he can do it, if he, with his desires and propensities of life, has reached this point and he, in control, can serve God like he does. Look at the next one. Sound in faith. Don't you like that phrase, sound in faith? When you and I have perhaps used lumber to build something, occasionally you'll come across a board. The outside may look good, but you peck on it and you can tell it's rotten inside. It's not strong. Old person, you are to be sound in faith. Your life in all of its particulars and all of its attributes, you're a faithful individual to God. That means you're here at every service which you could possibly be at. And you're a prime example as you participate in the worship. You love to sing in the way you can. You look forward to praying unto God. And you look forward to participating in every way by virtue of your love for the lost and your love for the things of truth. The next one is sound in charity. You know what love is. You've spent 60, 70, 80 years. You know what love is. And a lot of things our world calls love is not love. You understand the reality of what it means to perhaps love a spouse for 50 years. And may I say to you what a grand example that is to younger people 
who when they get married, they ought to want to be able to love one another and be together for five or six decades like you have been. One more thing, sound in patience. Now patience is really a virtue, isn't it? There are times I suppose all of us are challenged by virtue of being too impatient and yet that older man is able to highlight in life the reality of patience and soundness in it. That verse, you'll notice, is followed by another one. Look at verse number 3. Older ladies, God talks to you too. Not only does He give some statements for older men to understand, but older ladies, you too are treasured by God. Verse 3, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior, hath becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Ladies, older ladies, you too have been given by these very commandments these amazing statements. First, holiness. Your life needs to be a manifestation of what truly is the thing called holiness. Holiness means high regard for what God does and avoiding what God wants you to avoid. Nextly, he says, not false accusers. There's no place in the life of an older woman or man for gossip and slander. And this verse condemns it. Not only that, not given to wine, of course. Lastly, teachers of good things. Older ladies, you are commanded to be a teacher. Now, we understand that you aren't to teach in a mixed audience in a public assembly, for other passages don't permit that. But there's a very real sense in which you have been given by God the lovely obligation of teaching. And he even goes on to say, verse number 4, that you may teach the young women. Who better to teach a young woman how to be a faithful Christian than an older woman? She's been there. She knows what a life as a wife is. She knows what a life as a faithful servant of God is. May I say, older ladies, who better to teach those things than you? And in addition, he adds that you're able to teach them how to love their husbands, how to love their children how to be keepers, how to be at home, how to be chaste. God respects very highly what you can do because the church needs you. If the church is to be strong, it needs older men to be what they are commanded to be, but it needs older women to be what they're commanded to be. You'll notice then on that particular slide as we come near its close, haven't you been impressed so far today with how much God respects older men and women? Although our world may look with disrespect on them, God doesn't. God has a high regard for who you can be, what you can do, and how much good you can do for His kingdom. Surely in light of those things. Let's come to the last slide before a conclusion one. As we think about the importance attached to these and maybe a biblical example or two. 
I suppose you and I can think about instances in the Word of God in which older individuals played a vital role. And we mentioned Noah a moment ago. Why don't we add one more to that as we contemplate 1 Kings 12. The scene as it is presented before us was this one. You and I remember that Solomon was ready to come to the throne. His father, of course, had passed away. And Solomon had a decision to make. You and I remember that. The circumstances of the kingship had brought a time of decision. Will we behave like the former king did or will we do something different? question was made of those who were older men. What do you think we ought to do? The older men gave their example. They gave in their wisdom and insight what they thought the best course of action would be for the safeguarding continuance of the kingdom. However, the king wasn't interested so much in what the older men had to say, so he asked his buddies, the young men, what do you think we ought to do? They gave a very different answer. In fact, it was almost exactly the opposite answer to what those older men had given. And the king liked what the young men said. That's what we're going to do. And so he did. Of course, it didn't turn out very good. The young men's counsel was a very selfish kind of counsel. It was a counsel very much related to money, wealth, related to power and prestige. Those old men had the safeguarding interest of the kingdom at heart. We want to do what's best for the people. And may I say, every government ought to want to do that. But you'll notice, nonetheless, the young men's advice was what was followed, and it ultimately turned out so bad, the kingdom was split. You and I have often thought about how the Old Testament nation of Israel split into two parts. That's the history of how it happened. It's because the wisdom of the old men was ignored. The counsel of the old men was despised. Today, as you and I close this slide and close this lesson, let me ask that each of us give thought to even as we arrive at that older stage in life, God can still use you. In fact, He has a work that you still can do. And even in old age, He wants you to be fruitful to His cause. We here at the Pippin Church, not only are we thankful for our young people, but we're thankful for our elderly ones as well. Those who have the hoary head, because we understand how much you have to offer for the things of God. A time of invitation is upon us, and these questions are now yours. There's a conditional glory attached to old age. Being old just by itself isn't necessarily glorious. But oh, how sweet it is when the person who's reached old age and has that silver hair, when that's a life that is a manifestation of faithfulness to God, then what a crown of glory it is. Today, if there's anyone in this audience that's not faithful to God, maybe you've never become a Christian. May I say, you can't hope to arrive at the kind of description that we have described today unless you start the Christian life at some point. Maybe there's someone in this audience and you know what Jesus did for you. You know He died for you. You know you're currently lost. Why don't you come down this aisle today? I realize there might be a bit of nervousness in it, but I'll assure you after a step or two, the nervousness will be gone. And you'll have a group of people excited to celebrate with you as you put on Jesus in baptism. Believe Jesus with all of your heart to be the Son of God. Repent of your sins and confess His name. 
and be baptized. But if you have begun the Christian walk and maybe years have passed and you have allowed the nature of your age to no longer be reflective of a person devoted to God, you need to come back to Jesus, you know. You need to come back to your first love so that you again can be on track to have a life with silver hair that's a crown of glory. If we could pray to God for forgiveness of sins known publicly, we'd be happy to do that. We'd be honored to do that. We would only ask that you inform us as to what way we can pray for you and with you. Today, if we could be of help to anyone in these ways, we would implore you to come and do it now while together we stand and while we sing.